0: I'm Chris, and this is my Writing Table podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair and let's begin. Farmer has been writing romance novels since junior high. In those days, they featured high school quarterbacks named Brad who drove Corvettes and gals with names like Desiree because Kelly considers her own name rather plain. Since then, her stories have ranged from historical and contemporary male-female romances to light women's fiction to LGBTQ plus romance. One theme remains the same. Everyone deserves to have a happy ending. Amen. When not writing, she enjoys being outside in nature, quoting from 80s movies, listening to all kinds of music, and petting every dog she comes in contact with. All of these show up in her books. She also watches a lot of documentaries to satisfy her hunger for random bits of trivia. Kelly lives in the Chicago area where she swears every winter is her last one there. Kelly. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. One of the things that I wanted to bring up before we get into your books is you've been like a wonderful steward of support and education for other writers, and you've served the Chicago area at RWA tirelessly. So, For new writers
1: who are looking to get involved with things like that, how did you get involved? Oh, let's see. A thousand years ago, when (laughs) I was a baby writer writing my first very long historical manuscript, I ended up writing like fan letters to a couple of authors who like I enjoyed their work. And I was sort of like, how did you get where you are? And they all recommended joining a writer's group. At the time, my fantastic writer's group, the Chicago North Romance Writers, they meet near where I live. And so I kind of just tumbled into them. I've been so grateful for their advice, their knowledge. They're so selfless and giving of their time to newbie writers who, like, I literally didn't know how to format a manuscript. One of the cool things is that we are a critiquing group. So, like, I actually got to see manuscripts and was like, oh, is that what they're supposed to look like? The Chicago North Romance Writers is an independent organization, it was a chapter of RWA and we made the unanimous decision to become independent to be more supportive of all romance authors. It's been great and actually we've done mostly virtual meetings, you know, since the pandemic and everything went virtual. And we've ended up getting a lot of members from across the country. So we have people tuning in from New York and Michigan. And it's been really nice to sort of broaden our reach beyond this Chicago
0: area. <laughs> if someone wants to get involved, where would they go?
1: We do have a website. It is chicagonorthromancewriters.org, I believe. Could be a .com, but I think it's a .org. The website, I will be honest, doesn't have a lot of information on it, but we have a fantastic conference every other year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called the Spring Fling Writers Conference. And there's a link on that main website to the Chicago Spring Fling info. We had it this past spring. So the next one will be in 2024. That's a really great opportunity to like, Meet actual writers in person and I hear and it's a hang great out.
0: conference.
1: It is. We're really proud of it. We have some good stuff coming for 2024 that I obviously can't say anything about because I'm sworn to secrecy.
0: Stay tuned for that. Let's dig into your writing. Tell us about your <laughs> hockey romances.
1: The Out on the Ice series, which is sapphic or women loving women romances set in the women's pro hockey world. The first book came out in August of 2020. Because of course when you sell your debut novel you want it to come out smack dab in the middle of a lockdown. Chris can relate to. <laughs> yes,
0: been there, done
1: that. And then the second book in the series, Unexpected Goals came out in November of 2021, and the third book in the series, Calling the Shots came out in November 2022. Are
0: you acquainted with the hockey world besides living in North Chicago?
1: actually because of writing. I never was really into hockey. I was a theater nerd and, you know, very artsy. And in my twenties, I had an idea for uh, like a male hockey player Mm -hmm. romance. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about hockey. Maybe I should just learn some stuff. So I literally (laughs) like got hockey for dummies and just started watching it to just sort of be like, what is going on? And then I ended up falling in love with the sport, and I got you know interested in women's hockey through the Olympics. That was about the time of the Salt Lake City Olympics. So we're going back to two thousand two. Wow! And yeah, and so like I was like, oh my god, women's hockey is so cool. So I just yeah became a fan. I had written that one male Kiwi ended up being a coach romance, and then I wrote a book that was between a male and a female goalie because they grew up playing hockey together, and she was better than him. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Yeah. like I always kind of just had that love for women's hockey in my heart, Mm -hmm. but I went on and wrote other things. And then the 2018 Olympics came around. The United States and Canadian women's hockey teams have a huge rivalry. And, of course, they met in the gold medal game that year, and it went into overtime, and then it went into a shootout, And the U.S. won the gold medal at like one in the morning, my time. (laughs) And I was like crying. It was a goober about it. It's one of those things as a writer, how like you sometimes feel an affinity for a world that you've never actually like been Mm -hmm. in. But, you know, like I kind of felt it and was like, wow, I really miss writing in this world. And then, of course, the plot bunnies sat up and went, oh, you want to write a women's hockey book?
0: okay, here's some ideas. Now that you've written the three books in the Out on the Ice series, will you continue to write more hockey-themed romances?
1: I would like there to be one more book in the series. I think it needs like a fourth to round it out. I'm playing with that one in my head right now, thinking I, I did introduce two characters in Calling the Shots who would be the main characters in the fourth book. I also have been writing short bonus stories for my Mm -hmm. newsletter subscribers. So if you subscribe to my newsletter at KellyFarmerAuthor.com, I have two so far and they take place between the books in the series. So they're kind of like a bridge and they also feature my favorite secondary character, Gina Morales. So she's having her story told in these little stories. Yeah.
0: We had some really great news this year. I say we because I was cheering for you on the sideline, so to speak. And then mm. we had some devastating news this year because you had a project that was going to be sold to Hallmark and then Hallmark pulled their publishing division which was really, really difficult. I cannot imagine how that was on you. And well, tell us what it was. And then let's (laughs) talk about how
1: we're moving forward. I uh, was very excited. I sold a book to Hallmark Publishing called It's a Fabulous Life, which was a female- Yes. Well, it's a female-female, it's a wonderful life retelling, and the angels are drag queens, hence the (laughs) fabulous portion of the title. Uh, And I was super excited. It was going to be their first LGBTQ plus title that they were going to publish. Everyone was very, very excited about it. And then, unfortunately, we got the news September or October that Hallmark Publishing was closing its doors, so any new titles that they had contracted but weren't like already you know printed and ready to go were not right. going to get published. So the good news is I, I will say I have all of my rights back now, so I can move forward and seek other opportunities. After you know having my day of moping and like flailing <laughs> like, <laughs> like like a kid, I, I was like you know something really good is going to come of this. I put out my SOSs to a couple a couple editors and an agent that I'm friendly with and was like, Hey, this books available again. And fortunately I signed with an agent. Mm-hmm. So now I have the fabulous Ava Scalzo with the Spielberg literary agency as my agent.
0: Congratulations! Thank to both you. Of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. And we have the book on submission now, so it's uh, going to find a new home. Obviously, as we know with writing, can't say too much about it, but I hope to have good news to share soon. You know, we we
0: talk about the writing table, that there's always room at the table because as writers, you're not in it very long before you hopefully figure out that folks have got your back and are going to advise you and help you and encourage you. And I remember the day that the news came out about Hallmark and I think you had said something about it, but then where I saw more of it was other people saying oh my gosh, this is going to be such a cool project. And Kelly is such a great writer and she's so fun. And I kept seeing people retweeting, retweeting. And I thought, you know, what a testament. And this is before the Twitter sort of implosion. It was just such a testament to how the writing community rallied around you. All I could think is, oh my gosh, it has to be, she's got to feel devastated and not even want to look at Twitter. And yet I kept thinking, I hope she's looking at Twitter because people just kept commenting and retweeting and it's hard to find your people. So when you find them, it's it's nice to know that other writers have your back and are cheering
1: you on. And, you know, there's plenty of room for everybody here. We just all have yeah. to
0: find our spots.
1: <laughs> for sure. And yeah, this is in the before times of Twitter. <laughs> No, I wanted to post something because people knew about the book and mm-hmm. I thought it would get like maybe like a hundred likes. I was being generous with like, like a hundred people will like this or whatever. And it kind of took off and people were beyond generous and like editors and agents and, you know, people were saying, oh, if you want to indie publish this, I will help you. And, you know, other writers retweeting it and just readers, even people who were mm-hmm. like fans of of the romance genre were like, this sounds amazing. Someone please pick it up. Social media is a strange place because as weird and toxic as it can be, it can also be extremely uplifting. And, you know, again, yeah, the writing community, just people wanting to help you. I was very shocked and very, very grateful. And so I'm I'm hopeful that I can do that for somebody else who's
0: and, and you will. going know, through it. <laughs> I know how you are. You've been very generous to other authors. In the writing community, a lot of us are just kind of holding our breath going, please bring back Twitter the way we knew it because that's our water cooler. That's how yeah. we who live in our writing cave and don't talk to other humans, talk to other humans during the day and find that support and don't have to be sad about bad news by ourselves it's been very good to me and I hope it has to you. And I, I hope we'll get to see it come back or someone will find a platform that will let us have our little water cooler sessions.
1: Yeah. That's the worst part. It's like, it's fine if we all have to go somewhere else, but we all have to go to the same place. Yeah. And it's very Um, confusing right now. Like I got on Twitter when I signed with another agent like years Hmm. ago and and I was like, I got on Twitter then. And obviously now I'm glad, but now I'm, now I'm just tired. When you begin a novel, you come up with this little idea for a novel. What happens first? I get the plot bunny that like hops into my brain that I love to play the what if game. Mm -hmm. It's probably my favorite part of the whole process is just that early like brainstorming when it's, it's all this like fresh, happy, new, exciting idea. And then it's like, oh, and then this happens. Oh, and then this happens. And I don't know what happens here, but then this happens. And so I spend a lot of time like just letting it percolate in my head Mm -hmm. and, you know, wander around the house thinking about it. Then I try to pare down since I write romance and I have two main characters, I start to think like, okay, what's this one's deal? What's this one's deal? And I start to get to know my characters. I do a lot of pre-work on my characters like I get to know them I handwrite them telling their story so I can learn their voice and that's like where I start to like hear them like Mm -hmm. okay that's how that's how you are and like what is the secret you don't even want to tell me sometimes they don't even want to tell me stuff and I'm like (laughs) come on (laughs) you're a figment of my imagination. You shouldn't be holding things back. Eventually I sit down. I'm like, I should figure out the plot, like an actual plot plot. I've become a really big fan of Romancing the Beat. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a book by Gwen Hayes and it has a very, very, very helpful loose structure. It could be more structured if you need structure, but I need to just like stay on track. It helps me like not wander off.
0: I may start with an outline. Once I get going, sometimes I'll have to go back and just cause I'm end up in the ditch and I got to go back and say, okay, now how did I end up here? Cause I don't remember planning to come here. I don't know how I got yeah. here. <laughs> how do I get out of this place? Yeah. Well, so how long does it take for you to write each
1: one? I would say actual, I, I probably take like a month, maybe not quite a month to, from like kernel to doing all my work and feeling like I'm ready to start it. Mm-hmm. And depending on the book it takes two or three months to do the first ugly draft. <laughs> and then probably a month after that to do my first edit, like the before anyone sees it, like mm-hmm. I have to do like my read through. Cause for me, once I get to the end, it's like, okay, I know what this book's about. I have made all my notes about things I have to change. I do my go through and then it's gone to my editor at that point. But I know now that I have an agent, it's going to have to go to my agent at that point.
0: So (laughs) another set of eyes on it.
1: Yeah. Which is great.
0: Okay. So you're about to publish your third novel. What's the thing that you wish you would have known on the first that you know now on the third?
1: Wow. There's just so much. It's funny when you have your first book published, it's kind of a deer in the headlights situation. And it's just a really wild ride, particularly like it took me a long time to sell my first book. And I was just so like, it's happening and everyone loves a debut. It's awesome. And so people are super excited about it. And, you know, so you get like that extra bump people who Mm -hmm. are like, oh, yay, it's your first book. Oh, congratulations. So exciting. And then that excitement kind of wanes as as it does because then someone else's book comes out. right? And and that debut letdown is a very strange feeling. (laughs) I'd kind of like heard about it. I don't know. I feel like I heard about it more like, oh, it's that like writing the second book thing. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't so much the thing for me as just that like first book letdown was it's kind of like, it's out in the world. Now what? And I felt like, and this is something I tell like soon to be published authors is like, you never will feel like you're doing enough. You know, you feel like you kind of need to be everywhere and like tell everyone about your book. And should I do this podcast? Should I do Facebook ads? Should I do like, should I pay for a full page ad in this? Like there's just so many things that Mm -hmm. you just, you just don't feel like you're doing enough. The thing I wish I had known was maybe a a little better branding in terms of like Mm -hmm. a very cohesive, concise message to just kind of like use over and over again. And I think that I struggled for a bit to like figure that all out. My marketing efforts were a little scattered, I think, for the first book.
0: But when you're on your first book, you don't really know who your audience is. Like You know who it should be, according Mm -hmm. to the marketing people, but you don't know for sure And so you think, okay, I'll throw something over here. I'll throw something over here. I'll throw something over here. And it's hard to know what's going to be effective and what gets people to buy books or to review books. I mean, what is it? I don't think any of us have figured out that secret seasoning yet.
1: Yeah. I do think that is part of the sort of the the first book thing is just a lot of it's trial and error and you see what worked and what didn't. And What did work, you know, okay, do more of that. And what didn't work Mm -hmm. or what you didn't enjoy doing. It's like, it's information you can take forward. Exactly. It's not wasted. Yeah. Yeah. It's a learning experience. And so I think by book three, like this was all easier in the sense Mm -hmm. like, okay, I know what's worked and what hasn't. I know not to spend so much time doing graphics on Canva, just do like two and reuse them Mm -hmm. and not try to make a bunch of them. And like my first book I made, like, just like, I never like reused a graphic. And now I'm like, why did you do that? I made so much work for myself. (laughs) Because you don't
0: know, you just want it to be successful. It's like a baby. You just want it to be safe and protected
1: and have a happy little life out in the world. Yeah, and then by the third kid, it's like, mm, here. <laughs> this fell on the <laughs> ground, but I wiped it off. So good luck. <laughs> so to it's that. fine. Yeah. Okay, so your third one actually came out on November 15. What's next for you? Well, hopefully, It's a Fabulous Life will be something I can talk about in the near okay. future because I'm super excited about that book. Also, I'm part of the Happily Ever After Collective. It's a Mm -hmm. subscription service on Patreon. We are featuring four exclusive brand new novellas each month. And every month has a different romance trope. So like siblings, best friend, enemies to lovers, opposites attract. Four stories have that trope. It's a great, amazing, very talented, diverse group of authors Each month, at least one novella is written by a person of color and another one is a queer love story. And so the fun part about this is that each author's month and trope is a secret. So I can't tell you what mine is other than it hasn't come out yet. (laughs) That's the only thing I can say is that mine's not out yet. But at the first of every month, they announce the authors and their novellas. I can't say mine is just like, Super fun. I had or am having a blast writing it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So I'm very excited for mine to come out.
0: <laughs> happily ever after collective. I'm check that out.
1: Yeah. And the website if you want more info, it's just the happily ever after collective.com. And you can okay. sign up for their newsletter. So if you want, you'll get the notifications about which authors and which tropes are coming out each month. So fun. It is fun.
0: Have you read anything interesting lately?
1: I have. I tend to read a lot of nonfiction when I'm writing. It's tough for me to read things similar to what I write while I'm writing. I recently finished the Black Love Matters anthology and was edited by Jessica Pride. It featured stories from Black romance authors who had lots of different points of view and experiences. Beverly Jenkins has a great piece in it about the history of Black romance. It was just super interesting. I learned a lot and I feel like it needs to be required reading for anyone in Romance Landia. There was a lot of really good stuff in there so I highly highly recommend it. It's The Black Love Matters Anthology. Right now I'm reading another anthology. I'm apparently in anthology mode. It's the Amore Actually anthology. It came out last December, I believe, for the holidays. Just a bunch of Latinx romance authors. They're all really good friends and they had this great idea. So the title, it it does sort of have a nod to love actually, Mm -hmm. because each of the stories in it is inspired by one of the stories in love actually how fun yeah it's really fun it's cute there's a lot of different heat levels and it's some of the stories intertwine and so it's that's a lot of fun I'm enjoying reading it and you know if you're looking for a holiday read but like you maybe just want to read like short stories because the holidays are busy that's a good one for that
0: I know you have a lot of fun writing but what makes it so fun for you
1: You know, my background is in acting and theater, (laughs) which you know, and I've always loved creating worlds and people. And I think that's also what I love the most about writing is you just get to create, like, you know, literal worlds, and you make people. And you know, on a personal level, I love to entertain people. And I feel like my life's purpose is to bring joy to people's lives. So if I'm helping you get through a bad time in your life, or you just need an escape for a few hours, that makes me feel like I'm living my life's purpose, honestly.
0: I think you are. Obviously, the books you're putting out make people happy and make people laugh and feel loved and kudos to you.
1: That's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's my goal. I always like to say, I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to make you cry. But then I'll make you laugh again, so don't worry. You okay. get, you get, a, you're gonna get a happy ending because, because you gotta have that. Was it
0: happily ever after or happy for now?
1: Yeah, happy for now. I feel like you know a lot of people are okay, particularly with like young adult romances or new adult romances, where it's like you're 16, it's okay if this is not your. Yeah. Your true love forever. (laughs) Things
0: might change between 16 and 25. Right, right. (laughs) Got some time to commit. Do you have any advice for new writers?
1: I do. It's funny. I was just talking to somebody at one of our Chicago North virtual meetings last night. Best advice I can give is finish the damn book. I see a lot of newbie writers who like write the first five chapters. And then, you know, maybe you join a writer's group or critique group or you read some books about craft. Then it's like, oh, I got to start over. So you start over at chapter one and then you write those first five chapters and you learn something else or you realize like, oh, I know what goal motivation and conflict is. So you start back with chapter one and you just kind of like work on the same chunk of the book for years and never actually like get beyond that. It's okay. If you need to go back and fix stuff, that's fine, but then keep going. <laughs> and Get to the end of the book. First of all, you'll have that huge accomplishment of writing an entire novel, mm-hmm. which not many people can say. Also, you'll know what the book is about at that point. You'll have a better sense of like what really needs to happen. And also, you're going to revise that first three chapters a hundred times anyway, So just save that for later because it's even as published authors, that's still the part you rewrite quite a bit. You know, when you first sit down to write, you're kind of like feeling it out. And like, that's the part that's going to change anyway. So please write to your end of your books. And I also want to recommend to just have fun and enjoy it. I'm always a little envious of people who are writing their first manuscript because it's so exciting. You know, you don't have to like have the worries, like just have fun. Don't stress about getting it right or getting it perfect. Like, it's not going to be perfect. A first draft is never perfect. It, like, it doesn't matter who it is. There are clean drafters, but that was not their first book. So <laughs> don't stress. And yeah, my last thing is just what we were saying earlier about find your people and get a group of supportive writers, whether it's virtually. A lot of libraries have local writers groups. There's definitely resources out there. If you want to find some, feel free to send me an email. Yeah. Go to my website, find my contact info. I can help you try to find some people. And it's also really, really important to get eyeballs other than your own on your work. That's really important if you get beta readers or critique partners who can see the things you can't see because you're just too close to it. If you choose to hire an editor or work with a book coach, there's so many options, but like other eyeballs, super important because they'll find that typo that you've like looked over like a hundred (laughs) times. I always say better to have somebody catch it now than when it's published. Yeah. Make sure you have nice people catch these things first. (laughs)
0: Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more, visit kellyfarmerauthor.com. If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.